0: Greetings and welcome to The Dividing Line. My name is James White. We are on the road again. Uh, I guess there's a song. Uh, No, I'm not going (laughs) to. I would not um, insult you by doing that. Um, But we are on the road again, uh, still in um, Golden, Colorado. And uh, Lord willing, I'll be speaking in uh, Boulder on Sunday night. I was supposed to have lunch today with the pastor there. I, um, I I put it off, just felt a little off uh, today at one point. And I just didn't want to, you know, I think a lot of us are a little bit hypersensitive to passing anything along. uh, If I am fighting something, I don't know. Um, We'll, we'll find out. I feel okay at the moment. Um, Got a nice long nap. (laughs) That's always always good when you get older uh to get a little extra rest. We'll see you know could have been the frozen um breakfast sandwich <laughs> you know I try not to go out and um man, even buying those things is expensive today it's ridiculous so we will uh we will see, but we're back uh with you today. I think this is the third program we've done this week, so it's it hasn't been too bad I'm not sure about next week um i've changed my return trip and and my days are really long uh long uh, trips each day so i'm just not 100 certain how that's going to work out but i'll be back by i think wednesday of next week so if we have to make up a little something uh we will um when we get uh, we get back to um, phoenix for less than two weeks and um My dear daughter is uh, expecting to give birth during that time period. And so I'll just be perfectly straight up front. Um, Doing the program is not going to be that
1: high of a priority
0: if uh, somebody's in labor. (laughs) That's just all there is to it. Um, I don't think she's going to do what she did the first time. You know, when you have, uh, I've noticed that young ladies, when they, they have their first baby. They want to do all the natural, no medication. I'm so woo-woo. And uh, for the for first child, uh, Summer labored for 44 hours. <laughs> so when the second one came along, it's like, get this baby out of me. <laughs> do whatever you need to do. <laughs> Not going to worry about it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. <clears throat>
0: Uh, I'm not sure how that'll work out in this situation, but uh, we're just uh, very excited, and then we're back on the road again, heading for uh, Washington D.C. I've never seen the Museum of the Bible. Um, I think I've seen a maybe a video or two, sort of a overview type thing. I may even try to look a few of those up. But I'm just looking forward to seeing what there is to see, and to talk with folks about um, the divinely, providentially preserved Word of God. But of course, when I say that, um, I I mean that in the context that God has actually, um, at this very time in history, when the attacks upon the attacks upon Scripture today
1: have more. Um, are, are, are much more complicated.
0: Uh, there's much more data to be brought in to attack the scriptures than, than ever before, because this, the same thing that we struggle with, when we look at history, when we look at say the reformation, and we look at the counter-reformation that the reality is whether Roman Catholics want to admit it or not, the counter-reformation and the Jesuits um, are very much responsible for many of the worst attacks upon scripture today because the Counter-Reformation attempted uh, to counteract the Reformation by demanding utter fealty to independence upon the magisterium of the Roman Catholic Church. And so they... Would would attack the veracity of the Greek manuscript tradition over against the Latin Vulgate, and 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 in many ways, modern Roman Catholic scholarship, at least conservative scholarship, has abandoned all that stuff uh, from the Counter Reformation. But they did it, and that re, that resulted in you know responses from the Reformed and defenses of Scripture. And the fact is, back then, uh, it was it was challenging. And what I mean by that is, I can pop up my screen. You can pop up on your screen. Um, you can purchase a book. I can purchase a book that has
1: a tremendous amount of information, a tremendous amount of uh, uh, you know a catalog of manuscripts.
0: This manuscript is found in this place. This manuscript is found in that place. And it's from this century and it contains this amount of... And we assume that that kind of information has always been available. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, it hasn't. And we are able to mount a significantly deeper, more consistent, broad defense of the text of scripture uh, today than we ever have been able to in the past. And so there are people who use the term of providential preservation. They're they're attaching that to a a 16th century Greek manuscript based on a tiny percentage of uh, the manuscripts that are available to us today um, and just want to, force us to go well that's that's what providential preservation is no uh god has providentially preserved his word in wonderful and miraculous fashion every time i look at one of the papyri which are despised by the tr only guys by the quote-unquote confessional bibliology guys they despise the, the papyri i don't know if you remember a few years ago um there was that uh, conference they had and and if you you know we listened to portions well we i listened to all of it but we played portions of it here on the program and the the references to the papyri were just because the papyri did not exist well did not exist were not known cataloged available um when the textus receptus was formulated and so when you encounter readings in the papyri that are in some instances 1,300 years earlier than a reading in the T.R., those people who are putting the T.R. forward as being the apostolic original um, have to find some way of attacking that, that papyri. And so they, they loathe the papyri. Anything discovered after 1644, or really before that, but technically, is just irrelevant. And so I look at the papyri... And when they're discovered, and the testimony they give to us of the antiquity of the readings in the unseals, and then in the broader manuscript tradition—remember, we're only talking about a small percentage of the text—this um, is some of the greatest. This, this is a great gift given to the church that, at the very time when when the enemies of the faith are going to be attacking. The veracity of the Bible, we are all of a sudden out of the ground, <laughs> literally, uh, sprout portions of, uh, you know, I- I've-, I've shown you P52, the little credit card fragment from John chapter 18, uh, uh, the very discussion of what is truth. And it it could be the earliest fragment we have of the New Testament. There's arguments about that, obviously, but it's very, very early. And here it pops out of the ground, ends up in in London. Um, And it's a gift given to us. And so, you know, I don't know if they have a facsimile of that. Uh, I've seen a facsimile of it uh, in um, uh, Dublin. But... um, you know the the originals in Europe, um but maybe they have a facsimile of something like that at uh, at the Museum of the Bible, but I have said over and over again, it's sort of gotten lost recently because there's so much other silliness going on uh, amongst us, but uh I have said over and over and over again that one of the one of the greatest foundations that you can give to yourself, to your family, to your children is an understanding of the providential preservation of the text of Scripture because any attacks, I can, I can guarantee you, when the Chinese communists um, are torturing Christians, one of the ways that they do that is to attack the veracity of the Scriptures when they're seeking to break them down and to mock them and, and so on and so forth. So it's, um, it's an edifying study. And um, while you do have some vocabulary to learn, it's not like some of the stuff we're seeing today where where people are saying that we need to get our people to understand the ramifications of appropriations and inseparable operations and and getting farther and farther and farther and farther and farther and farther away from apostolic revelation. Um, It's not like that you 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 don't have to uh be teaching people complex obtuse uh philosophical concepts there's some vocabulary to be learned as there is in any field um you know there's vocabulary to be learned and learning how to play video games you know uh you gotta learn what this does and that does that yeah, whatever um but it's edifying, and it's um, it's something you can pass on uh, to your children and your grandchildren that will uh, be very, very important in their continuing service to Christ. So, anyway, that was all just prompted by the fact that uh, we're going to be home for less than two weeks. Um, I'll be honest with you. You know, I look at this thing and and the the, the mindset that I'm operating with right now. Is how little can I pull out of this? <laughs> how much can I leave in here? Um, it'll still be hot in Phoenix uh, at the end of August. It doesn't cool off until November in Phoenix, so it's still gonna be hot. So there's, you know, there's a certain things you just you can't leave. But I've been watching the temperatures in Phoenix. It really hasn't been all that bad. So the average temperature is probably somewhere in the mid nineties. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be going, how little do I have to drag out of this thing and then put back into it, you know, basically nine days later, uh, that's sort of what the, how can we minimize the, the, the expenditure of energy, uh, in this situation? Cause, uh, you know, everything's set up exactly right, right now. I'm exactly right. is probably not where my wife would have it. Um, Exactly right when you're traveling alone in an RV is where you can find it very easily. <laughs> that's, that's where it needs to be. Uh, efficiency, um, not looking through every cupboard and, and drawer to, to find the one thing you need uh, to fix the one issue you're you're dealing with. So anyway, so that's, what's coming up. And uh, if you haven't signed up, I think you can still sign up. I, I don't know. Um, for the, the conference there in washington d c not looking forward to going into washington dc I will be perfectly honest with you um but that's where the Museum of the Bible is so there's the there's the trade-off uh there's the trade off there. Um, definitely have my head on a swivel if I'm out and about. Um you the the videos that you can see I don't know if you saw the video of the one man just sucker punching this other person and person died happens so often. And you, we, as Christians, we, we understand the culture of death. There is an intellectual aspect to the culture of death. No question about it. there is a philosophical aspect to the culture of death, but we recognize there is a spiritual aspect to the culture of death. And sometimes I think reform people, and I, we'll have a discussion here about whether we even
1: want to keep using that term, given the people that claim it. Um, but reformed people do
0: have somewhat of a hesitation to
1: speak clearly and openly about spiritual forces in our world. I think part of it is
0: because we recognize those spiritual forces are under the sovereign control of God. And so they are secondary. They're not primary. It's, it's not, it's not the Gnostic battle of light and dark where they're equal forces. They're not equal forces, but they are, that doesn't change the reality that they exist. And Jesus taught and, and dealt with spiritual forces. And it's, it is interesting to me, it should be interesting to all of us, I think, that as we see these videos,
1: as we see violent young men and women, it's not just men, it's
0: amazing how many women uh, throwing punches and, and just engaging in violent behavior. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to think only of, well, they're just not properly educated, you see. And um, in many of those instances, there's there's no fam, there's no family structure, there's no father in the home. Uh, all those things are very very true. Um, but we 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 tend to just limit it to the explainable without making reference to the fact that when a people is under the judgment of God, God, when, it, when, when you talk about withdrawing the hand of restraint, it's not just on the evil of man, but on spiritual forces that are a part of that evil. What, what possesses a man to literally walk up behind someone he does not know
1: and kill him right then and there? And that's happening all the time. We've gotten used to the gang
0: violence. How many people were killed in Chicago last weekend? I don't know. But if you put together all of the centers of leftist um, control, so Chicago, Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle, uh, New York, uh, Detroit, um, St. Louis, I, 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 not even sure how many, but it'd be a very large number each weekend, especially during the summer, um, where people are being murdered in gang violence. And no one cares about gang violence. No, when was the last time you heard somebody on the left talking about gang violence? Won't even touch it. It doesn't fit their narrative. Uh, it's very clearly related to family. It's very clearly related to people rejecting Um god's revelation of how mankind is to live and the result is murder and mayhem um, unrestrained sexual activity have you seen these videos of people dancing pretty much naked on on cop cars and it just so happens that they are simulating sex acts in public pretty much naked uh, while threatening um, violent acts. And a lot of people would go, well, I don't see the direct connection to it. It's all connected. It's connected with abortion. It's connected with transgenderism. It's a culture of death. And that's why we as Christians, whether we um, still have
1: children at home or grandchildren, great-grandchildren, we must be investing ourselves and
0: not just explaining to you, but demonstrating to the next generation the not just the necessity but the joy of being a person who engages in the culture of life. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And one of the most important things you can communicate to your homeschool children, to your neighbor, to the children at your church, whatever the situation might be, is that Jesus has come that we might have life and that we might have it aboundingly, overflowing. Not not just, well, here's a little life here and here's
1: a little life. No. Daily, abounding. In life and so when you look
0: at a rebellious society that hates God and you look at what they're calling good you can be pretty certain that whatever they're calling good is actually a source of death and destruction and the opposite will be that which brings you life so today we have a society that says you make up what you think feels good to you and go with it
1: So what's the culture of life? I don't look to myself. I look to God. I look to God and I I
0: go, has God given me a revelation of what it means to be his creature? Because once I understand I'm his creature, then I will experience life when I experience, when, when I obey what God has told me is the right way for me to live as he has designed me, as he has made me. It is a giving up of my self-autonomy to define what is happiness and fulfillment and embrace God's revelation of that. So when you look at Jesus' I've come, they might have life. He's also the one that says, the person that teaches you to ignore any of God's revelation of what is good in his law is least in the kingdom of heaven i am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And he goes to the cross to pay the penalty for the sins of mankind. And those sins are defined by God's law. I've been having some conversations, obviously. Um, uh, right Response Ministries has put out a thing about next May. And I, I need to just, you know, I'm going to try to build a, build a trip around this.
1: Um, haven't you know? When when you're talking about May, that's far enough down the road that it's
0: hard to make specific plans. But you have to start trying, given that my travel right now I try to do in this fashion. Uh, And so I'm having to bring a lot of people together. There's a a gentleman, um, a Church of Christ minister, in Conway, Arkansas the home of Grace Bible Theological Seminary uh, that wants to debate reformed issues. He he wants to debate the human side of that, which I fully understand. I I need to push back and say, well, you know, the reason I believe these human aspects that I, that a a true, true believer will not lose salvation is because that true believer has been chosen by God. So that the ultimate reason for that is God's sovereign decree. And that's what really needs to be debated. But anyways, Point being, try to find a way to um, tie together going to Texas, just north of Austin. I looked it up. And, of course, there's lots of folks in, in Texas. Maybe we'll just make it a uh, a Texas run and then over to Conway or maybe Conway first, come back. I, I don't know. It'd be nice to do a couple debates. It's just been so long, um, and um, I'm getting older and slower. So... Um, you know if we're gonna do it better do it pretty soon um but we'll see we'll see and and you know the point is um uh, there are those types of issues that we can be we can be dealing with and that's just one of the many aspects um at that conference it's on theonomy and post-millennialism and, Immediately, people, you know, I I was just saddened. I'll be honest with you. I've been very, very saddened by the kind of responses that professing Christians have. Before I came to understand what the issues were, back when I was still very much prejudiced by highly inaccurate misrepresentations of both of those terms. Uh, which are which is extremely common, and look, if if the people you look up to tell you avoid this, I understand why you might have an emotional
1: reason to do so. I did, um, but I never uh, e- even even if my my strongs I never
0: as a result kick these people out of the kingdom, you know? Um, My first introduction to Greg Bonson was his debate with Gordon Stein. And so even when I recognized I didn't agree with Bonson on theonomy, um, I didn't dismiss him as an unbeliever. I didn't refuse to cooperate with him. I've told people before, the reason I debated Jerry Matatics twice in Nebraska a number of years ago was I took Greg Bonson's place he contacted me and asked me to take his place so he could debate the two homosexuals that he debated you no know, Greg was ahead of the curve on seeing what was coming as far as the homosexual movement and things like that so um i didn't refuse to have cooperation with i didn't kick these people out of the kingdom i'm not going to treat them in that in that fashion and
1: yet um this announcement is made and wow,
0: the, the nastiness uh, that flows forth from reformed people. That's, that's why I said earlier, you know, I've, I've said in the past,
1: the reformed club, take her to leave it. As a description, it has historical validity and therefore it sort of
0: needs to be maintained. But I'm going to tell you some some of the biggest jerks I know, self-identify as reformed um it's it's sad it should not be that way it should not be that way
1: but it is and the you know so there were reformed
0: baptists who you know retweeted that tweet or whatever just
1: so disappointing and um and there are certain people, uh, certain subjects, whether it's
0: post-millennialism, not quite so much on that. But man, you, you mentioned theonomy. You mentioned God's law in almost any positive way. And the funny thing is, I really haven't changed my views since I preached a decade ago through the Holiness Code. I'm just willing to go, yeah, yeah. In, in any meaningful analysis, the way I approached the law there is, is a theonomic perspective. I recognize there are different uh, schools within the theonomic camp and I'm I'm willing to go, that person goes there and that person goes there and that person goes there. And I can appreciate this, this, and this. And I, I don't have to, you know, sign on to one particular and, and, and kick all the rest of them out of the kingdom. But man, there are some people who've got some really strongly emotional commitments on this subject that just, There is no reasoning at all. It is just, it's as bad as some of the worst anti-Calvinists out there. They just, they will not, will not listen. And there's not much you can do about it, but that is also the case amongst, these these are people who call themselves reformed too. They just, whoo, really, really go after it. Um, So all of that going back to, uh,
1: if you want to communicate to the next generation the culture of life, where are you going to find that? Well, I think this is where some confusion comes in because we recognize the righteous standard of
0: God's law can only condemn the self righteous. Law is not a source of life, but it is a source of a knowledge of what is pleasing to God for those who have received life by grace, through faith, alone. Anybody who ever ascribes to the law any kind of saving power in and of itself has missed, has missed the whole point. None of us are saying that. I, I see people saying, oh, the, Theonomus believes, the, the, Theonomus denies sola fide and sola gratia and it's just like, oh, please. Um, it's just it's silliness, but they go there. Um, anybody who, scribe, who says, well, you're actually teaching justification by works, I and mean, baloney. What we are saying is that God has revealed his holy character. And we as his creatures want to know his holy character so that we can be holy as he is holy. Now, only the Holy Spirit of God gives us that desire. Only the Holy Spirit of God can accomplish that within us. But he's not left us just to stick our fingers up in the air and go, well, um... Okay, we'll do this. Okay, we'll do that. There, he has provided the general equity. He has provided us with the general principles. And they are general principles. Why? Because of the fact that they have to be applied across many different kinds of cultures. And what people understand is one of the great blessings of how God has done this is We recognize that there have been times when Christians, especially in the West, have confused their Western understanding with the definition of Christianity itself and tried to force that upon people outside Western cultures. You have to become like us to be a Christian. Hmm, that sounds a little bit like, oh, Acts
1: chapter 15.
0: You have to become a Jew before you become a Christian. You have to go into the old covenant before you go into the new covenant. And the church rejected that. But I think there's been a lot of times in church history where especially Christians in the West have said, hey, the only way um, is, to, is to go all the way and, and become like us. And so what we want is we want those general principles of God's law uh, to be applied, and that will be the source of life and fulfillment, happiness, and everything else um that's what that's what we want we reject autonomy we see what autonomy is creating amongst mankind we don't find a noaic covenant to be anywhere near sufficient and we recognize that natural law requires a recognition of man's fallen state as interpreted by scripture um and then the role of his specific law that goes far beyond anything that natural law could ever provide to us, so this is part of how we pass on to the next generation something that uh, they can then pass on to the next generation, then the next generation, the next generation, all that depend upon the providential preservation of scripture, which God has provided to us in the manuscript uh evidence, so on and so forth so. Um I've gone thirty-two minutes on a, an introductory thought. <laughs>
1: um, by the way, uh just want to mention um extend
0: our uh, condolences to the Talbot family, Dr. Kenneth Talbot. I, I did not know Dr. Talbot personally. Uh, but I knew a lot of people that did because of Whitfield Theological Seminary, which, again, um, you know, Whitfield is one of those places that is focused upon producing people who will work in the church. Um, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but so well, I get in trouble for saying anything. It is as I get older, it is more and more plain and clear to me the difference between seminaries and colleges that are focused upon the service of the church and those that are focused upon the service of the academy. And I think that has ramifications today in many, in many ways. Uh, and Dr. Talbot, um, Jeff Durbin got his MDiv there. He described on Facebook today, the grueling experience of his final Uh, oral exams the two days like 16 hours and uh, which by the way is significantly more than what you would face in most um, quote-unquote ATS accredited schools I know that Um, I've taught in both contexts and um, anyway uh, I know that uh, Jeff was deeply uh, moved by his passing and but deeply moved more by his uh, by his ministry and so our condolences to um, the Whitfield Seminary family and Dr. Talbot and his family, uh in his uh homegoing, but we are Christians, and we uh, we grieve not as those who have no hope. doesn't mean we don't grieve, but we grieve as those who have hope. There's vast difference between grieving with and without hope. huge sub- subject I would like to get into today. But, um, and again, a situation where, you know, there would have been various theological issues that I would not have been in full agreement with everything Dr. Talbot said, and it doesn't stinking matter if you have some level of Christian maturity, some level of Christian maturity. There are differences that we would expect in this world, and then there are differences that actually uh, separate and when you can't tell what the differences are between those, that's a um,
1: that's a problem. Uh, so um, a couple other things, I I, I saw
0: a um, as as I am prepping for my early church history class that I'll be teaching in a couple of weeks, squirrels coming down. I I'll have to admit, squirrel. Um, when I saw you had gone down for Scott Annual's um, class, but I wasn't sure whether you were coming down to mine. I was sort of sitting there watching Twitter and watching you all sitting around at the seminary and going out to eat and stuff like that. We didn't get to do much going out to eat the last time I was there because we were, I was there in the middle of an ice storm, which is pretty unusual for Conway. But we had an ice storm, it was interesting. But I'm looking forward to get to do that this time. And in fact, what I want to do is I want to, uh, one of those nights, it's short, it's an intensive class, hours and hours, but I'm going to try to have enough physical strength and energy to uh, probably that Friday night, depending if there's something in the way, but do something after class where we sit around in the library there and do some, we're just going to have such limited time to read from many of the early writers, do sort of a, story time with Uncle Jimmy thing from the early early writers. But anyways, uh, I was really glad to see that that uh, Squirrel is going to be coming down to the live class in uh, Conway. And um, so how to get into that. In preparation for that, you, you can't help but once again be revisiting the extremely important discussion in the early church on the subject of what does Athens have to do with Jerusalem, Tertullian's phrase. And the fact that there were wide and definitional differences between someone like Clement of Alexandria and Tertullian, Justin Martyr, um, Leto Sardis,
1: on the role of Greek philosophy in the defining of
0: Christian theology and the explanation of Christian theology and and everything that goes along with that. And so Scott Swain, the president of RTS Orlando, tweeted uh, a while back, a while back as in earlier today, I'm not saying Plato stole from Moses. I'm just saying it's the most plausible hypothesis. And if you're familiar with early church history, you know that there were those early Christians who, Theorized uh, that the good to be found in Greek philosophy was due to a basically a form of plagiarism on the part
1: of people like Plato or Aristotle, um, borrowing from Moses.
0: Now I'm not sure how widely known Moses would have been, and As far as I know, the vast majority of scholarship uh, scoffs at the idea. But of course, there are uh, flood stories and narratives in many, many primitive peoples. Um, And so, could there be all sorts of elements of divine truth that are found in Moses? Hmm, Wouldn't that include his law? Anyway, Um, in Moses, that would be um, passed on, uh, that, w- that would be part of oral history and, and, and things along those lines, I suppose it's possible. But I found it interesting, especially with the uh, continuing um, emphasis upon many in the promotion of Craig Carter's theories, even though there have been plenty of critical reviews, very negative critical reviews, of Carter's thesis, this idea of Christian Platonism, as a necessary safeguard. So I guess Christian Platonism, Christian Aristotelianism, I'm not sure how you put those two together, but these are all, we are being told, necessary and important and good
1: um, defenses of Christian orthodoxy. And uh,
0: so I find it interesting that in that context, that's the context behind the great tradition stuff and great tradition exegesis, and all the rest of this kind of stuff that clearly a certain group of Christian scholars today have decided is of utmost importance. And they are working together um, to communicate that concept to the next generation of seminary students. And that's happening all over the place. I I noticed that tweet uh, after seeing yet another person (laughs) post a, you're blocked from Matthew Barrett. I'm blocked by Matthew Barrett. And I'm a little surprised someone hasn't yet taken the Twitter block screen because it's got Dr. Barrett's picture and it's got his, you know, he advertises Simply Trinity and his uh, CT book awards thing, you know, I have a picture of a mountain or something um, in the background, but, you know, it says at Matt M. Barrett, you're blocked. You can't follow or see. I have one of those too. I'm, I'm blocked too. Of course, that means it takes two more clicks to read what you want to read. Um, you, you click on the link, open an incognito window and da, da, da. And it's really doesn't do much, but Hey, I get it. I've got a long block list because that helps me not to have to see the nastiness from folks but it's not it's not because people are nasty uh, it's because people disagree uh, that seems to be dr. Barrett's uh basis or for blocking is uh, disagreement not being nasty it can be respectful disagreement whatever but he blocks a lot of folks so uh it was in looking at that that I saw the uh, the other uh tweet that um, we just made reference to regarding, regarding Plato. And um, so that was interesting. Uh, I suppose it's, it's important uh, to look at these um, threads. Speaking of um, Dr. Barrett,
1: um, let me see if I've got two different windows here. Yeah. So I thought, oh, that's not it. Uh, too many uh, too many Derek. Nope, that's not it either. Where'd it go? Is it in Dropbox? Uh, nope. Is it in downloads? Uh, nope. Okay, come on.
0: I remember having a 20 meg hard drive and the problem was you know, you didn't know where to find stuff and now you've got eight gigabytes and it's, it's too big to find anything. Uh, I think somebody posted it in
1: here. Nope. That's, that's our Scott Clark's loving commentary. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, I thought somebody had posted it in element too. Drat. Thought I had it all queued up, but it was a, um, There it is. There it is. Okay.
0: Man, I wish this would only (laughs) blow it up to a certain point. Um,
1: Dr. Barrett posted a uh, ETS session, a new session at ETS, which will be coming up in a couple months. Um,
0: It's Adonis, Vidu and I, are teaming up this year at ETS. We will lead a new session, Holiness,
1: Evangelical Theologians in Dialogue with Thomas Aquinas. Do you find that title somewhat strange? Now, the defense will be, well, we're talking, we're in dialogue with, you see.
0: Remember, this is the same guy. Who has who is behind a uh, scholarship for people, and, and to get the scholarship, you have to write papers that sound as much like Thomas Aquinas as possible.
1: All right, so uh, define in dialogue with, in light of that. But I can remember a time long, long
0: ago, like five months ago. Um. <laughs> where what we were being told is, we're not promoting Aquinas. We don't care if anybody reads Aquinas.
1: Um, it's, it's just his theology. It's the narrow spectrum of his theology of the Trinity. It's,
0: it's, it's simplicity. It's, it's, um, ad intra attributional sameness. It's, you, you know, it's the end result of this twelve hundred year process, and he finally puts it all together. And but it's
1: just that one thing. We're not, we you know, we know there's all sorts of problems with Aquinas, right? Right. So holiness,
0: evangelical theolog- theologians in dialogue with Thomas Aquinas, including Craig Carter. How would that happen? And then we have the titles of everyone's papers.
1: Um, Holiness, the Christian Life, and Spiritual Marriage in Aquinas. Uh,
0: Barrett's doing the Beatific Vision and the Thomistic Telos of Systematic Theology.
1: Michael Allen, Sacra Doctrina, Thomas Aquinas on Sanctification and Scholastic Practice. Those don't sound like they have anything to do with the narrow focus of Aquinas's doctrine of the Trinity, do they? In fact, how are you made holy in the theology of the 13th century
0: Roman church? Because again, any honest historian is going to recognize that Aquinas is in full submission
1: to the magisterium of the church and to the Pope. Now, this is post-Fourth Lateran Lateran Council, um, 1215. So you
0: you do have dogmatic teaching on transubstantiation, which, of course, Aquinas himself adds to. He provides the philosophical foundation, the Aristotelian categories for transubstantiation and the idea of the sacrifice of the mass as a propitiatory sacrifice. And I've, I've always argued that to me is the central aspect of Roman Catholic worship and theology. And therefore that's a good place to mark the beginning of what would be consistently
1: Roman Catholic. But, um, Holiness, how do you become holy
0: in Aquinas' theology over against Reformation theology? Huh. So at the Evangelical Theological Society, holiness, the Christian life, and spiritual marriage in Aquinas, the, the beatific vision, the Thomistic telos, of the systematic theology, Thomas Aquinas and sanctification and scholastic, sanctification. Um, There is a confusion in Thomas of sanctification and justification. Does it become more dogmatically defined in later centuries by Rome? Yeah, but the, the confusion is still there. Huh. I don't know. Has anyone suggested the possibility that maybe this, to mystic revival will have ramifications beyond simply the narrow spectrum of Trinitarian theology. Has anyone suggested that?
1: Yeah, but we all did. And here we have it laid out right for us. Coming to the evangelical
0: theological society. Hm.
1: There you go. Um, I just saw the other one here. Yeah. Let's see if there's nope. Okay. Just checking,
0: hoping everything's uh everything's still cool back there. Uh Dr. Pierce, uh in uh in Phoenix. Um, yeah, um de- 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 Yep. All right. The phone is doing good. Verizon's making
1: a lot of money off of us. <laughs> <laughs> um so someone posted we all can
0: remember a guy named luke reformed kid i think 1517 i think um said a problem i've always had with reformed theology even while proclaiming it and then there's a someone had made a meme and it's of me uh, preaching in luther's pulpit i have uh, have to wonder if when people use that particular picture, it's just out of pure jealousy, (laughs) because you only wish. Um, And it says, source, George Bryson versus James White debate. I'm sure this was not the actual debate, so it's sort of misnomered. Um, It was the Bible Answer Man broadcast. And uh, you know who's made that available all these years? We, uh, we arranged in 2010 because that was the last time I was on Bible and I knew at the beginning of the program, that was going to be the last time I was on the Bible broadcast. And it was, um, but, uh, it wasn't available for quite some time. And we made arrangements in 2010 to be able to, uh, make that available ourselves, which we did. And, So it was a radio program and the quote is, yes, God is responsible and he does decree child rape slash James White. So here we are again, uh, back to whatever year that was, was it 2003? I think it was 2003, where this is
1: obviously George Bryson's rejection of Ephesians 1.11, And
0: then the Reformed statement of that from the Westminster Confession of Faith, God decrees whatsoever comes to pass in time. So if you, in any way, shape, or form, hold to Westminster, London Baptist Confession, any kind of Reformed faith, if you've bothered to take the time to read Calvin, um, you know that this is something that every Reformed theologian needs to respond to. It is obviously just put in the worst possible situation so as to create emotion rather than thought. And you know that Calvin dealt with it and uh, every Reformed theologian since then has. But uh, it is fundamentally a means of rejecting God's sovereignty over what takes place in time. There are various ways of doing it, uh, simple foreknowledge, open theism. But every um, single Christian Yeah. 12, 16, 2003. Yeah. Uh, I knew knew it was three. It was right when we got back from uh, the cruise in Florida. Um, And I was sick as a dog the few days before that. But anyway, um, I'm not sure why I say sick as a dog. I rarely see dogs that are sick, but anyway, um, we, um, every person, every single individual who has any knowledge of uh, come on, What are you doing? Yeah, the read my book debate on BAM. Is that like, I'm I'm sure it's on Sermon Audio. But anyway, uh, you can find it there. I don't know how Luke would respond to that. um, If he were put in that particular position. But despite being in a situation where it was two on one and... The host was very much on the other person's side, and this was a part of a planned approach. We all figured that out fairly quickly. Um, The reality is far more people came to embrace Reformed theology as a result of that than, than the other side could have ever understood. I cannot tell you how many people over the years have said, I was yelling at the radio, I couldn't believe what you were saying but I could also tell you're the only one going to scripture because I responded to the accusation from George Bryson by going to scripture. And I, I talked about numerous biblical examples of God's sovereign decree in time, man's responsibility before God, but the simple fact that it is not some synergistic mishmash. That's not a reformed
1: position. It's not a biblical position. Um, And we've done entire programs. Just look up George Bryson
0: in the search bar uh, at amn.org. And there will be all sorts of stuff where over the years, people have dredged this thing back up and they don't give a context. They don't give a link. You know uh, it's, but here's a guy who says, he's proclaiming reform theology, but a problem I've always had. Now, maybe he's just being honest, saying, I I don't, you know, I'm not sure how I would respond to this, so I recognize.
1: But what was interesting was R. Scott Clark. Now, R. Scott Clark, of course, over at Westminster, um, Dr. Clark, about, I don't know, was it about 10 years ago? Dr. Clark's elders wisely removed him from
0: social media i think they even shut down the heidel blog for a while uh because he doesn't handle things well he's irascible and he's imbalanced and he's unfair and he can be very very sharp and unkind that's just everybody knows that everybody just oh you're being
1: like our Scott Clark.
0: Now, I get accused of the same things, but the reality is I'm not the one sitting here saying, I am the only reformed person on the planet. <laughs> and that's pretty much what Mars talking about. But he will, um, you know, he, he def- feels he has the right and the position to define what reformed is. He doesn't like me. Uh, he had me blocked for a while in the past. I haven't even checked to see if I you know, I'm still am. But he responded to that
1: meme, and it's going to be hard for me to read this. Um, oh, that's a, that's a grab! It's a different
0: different guy. Um, he basically, uh,
1: I think someone did post. I think Bill did for me. Oh, I didn't even see that. Okay, never mind. Anything that I said positively about Luke, <laughs> I just, I just saw. Um, Luke, it's Reformed Kid fifteen seventeen, uh, retweeted a
0: guy named Benjamin Robertson Robert Goodman. Wilson and White are charlatans and clowns. Isn't it nice to be loved? Have you noticed? I did want to mention this and I'm sort of running out of time. Maybe I'll get to uh, Trotter later on because there's a uh, young guy by the name of Trotter that uh, decided that he has the authority and and position to um, say that Apologia Church isn't a real church. It's just astonishing. I think there'd be some benefit from asking, why is it that in our day there are young men in seminaries who think they have the ground to make that kind of statement. Um, That just wasn't the case in, in my day. And even when I have had strong disagreements with people, give you an example. I I think, um, I think Andy Stanley is just off the chain. He he's disconnecting himself, not just from the old Testament, but from everything that's sound theology but I'm never going to sit here and say the Holy Spirit of God does not uh, act at His church. No one's ever been saved there. No one's ever been sanctified there. I'm not going to say that. I'm not that foolish. Um, I, I realize IFB folks say things and stuff like that. They're not even thinking through what they're saying. How are you ever going to answer before Christ someday when He shows you where by His Spirit? He had his sheep for his own purposes. So many of you, you came out of churches like that. And the only answer you have to why you were there is that God was preparing you for the ministry you're now having in helping other people. But God kept you in those situations. He was active in sanctifying you. And there's gonna be an astonishing amount of stuff to be answered for. But I I just, as, as a young man, Maybe it was just the way I was raised and people aren't raised this way anymore. I I don't know. But it's astonishing the number of people who are young men in seminary who think that they can dismiss 30, 40 years of ministry in somebody's life just because you have a disagreement with me on a theological issue. That's it. You're done. You're gone. Wow. We'll look at that later on. But anyways, so Benjamin Robert Goodman, whoever in the world that is. uh, Wilson and White are charlatans and clowns. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you will answer for that. You, you will answer for this kind of
1: behavior and slander. And Luke says, um uh, I don't know what his issue with JD Hall was. Uh, but I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna get into that one there. But back to um Sorry. Uh, Yeah, there was more conversation with this Luke fellow. I don't know why he calls himself Reformed. He doesn't seem to
0: actually understand that. Uh, There it is. Here's R. Scott Clark Um, in uh, responding to that meme, okay, that, again, was taking one... Portion of a radio program out of context doesn't give a link, so you can listen to the rest of it. Uh, doesn't give you the, you know. Let's put it this way: I would love to hear r Scott Clark on a radio program with basically sixty to ninety seconds to address the same issue. I don't think he's going to do any better than I did. Really don't. Um, but like I said, he's rather irascible. So he says, the Reformed churchers are not liable for the proclamation of some Baptist guy who mouths off. <laughs> this question is much more complex and the Westminster Confession is much more nuanced than the way, the way that White puts it. Twitter is not a good place for trying to have this convo. <laughs> the hypocrisy is astonishing. <laughs> the hypocrisy is the, sitting behind his keyboard, not on a national radio program live. I don't think... R. Scott Clark would do well in that context. There are a lot of scholars who would not. A lot of people are a whole lot smarter than I am, but they cannot think off the top of their head. They can't do it. I've said many times, there are certain people who should never debate. And they're a lot smarter than I am, but they can not multitask. They cannot interact. They can't look at a clock. You know, I'm sitting there. I remember it very clearly. I remember where I was seated. Um, Eddie Dalcour was sitting next to me. I remember where George Bryson was. I remember what the studio looked like. And
1: what you have to do is you have to know when the breaks are. You need to know what the clock is. If you don't know
0: what a clock is, then... But every live radio program has a clock. And so there are breaks at certain times. And you've got to be able to see the clock and know what the program clock is, so you know how much time you have left. Have you ever noticed that in situations like that, I'm always wrapping up right as they're going to the break, whereas the people that I'm debating with are stumbling and fumbling, and they get cut off in mid-sentence? It's because I grew up doing radio. I I know when UPI World News is going to start. I've got to be done. And so you make it, so that you can actually make a point you're finishing with the point right as the music is coming up the other side doesn't even have a chance to respond it's just how did how you do it and so uh here i am in that situation he's sitting behind a keyboard and he goes um the westminster confession is much more nuanced than the way that white puts it really
1: astonishing really okay that's
0: that's that's good um i've written published books on this i can guarantee he's never read, read one of them i guarantee he's not, not even listened to the actual conversation that would on that would be on his part showing too much respect for someone that he just simply loathes and it's sad i don't loathe him i feel sorry for him i see he has a serious issue in dealing with other christians And that can't be a good thing in his own personal life. I'm sorry. But the Westminster Confession of Faith was not written in 64 seconds. That section, they got to think about and discuss and write drafts and go back and forth. Yeah, it might be a little more nuanced, just like my discussions in, say, The Potter's Freedom. Yeah, <laughs> it is truly amazing to see the kind of behavior. Like I said, Jacob Trotter,
1: apology, apology at church, not even a real church. And what's the reason for all this? The motivation in that situation is again
0: the issues regarding a fundamental shift in the direction we're going in our attempting to go in our schools. And if you dare sound the alarm and go, Hey, this is happening. Wow. You're going to, you're going to pay the pay the piper. And, uh, and we are cancel culture. The sad thing the the, the saddest thing is when people, that I've had wonderful fellowship with in the past will accept what they have heard. Oh, I heard that you now have problems with the Trinity. Huh.
1: And you, you just have to sit there and look at somebody and go, really? Would, would you appreciate if people did that to you? That that you, you, you believe what somebody else says without listening to the original context without asking questions
0: seems to be a very popular, um, perspective amongst people, um, in reformed dumb today. And, uh, it's, um, it's sad, but anyways, covered a lot of, I think, helpful and interesting things today. Um, the first half hour was completely unplanned, but, uh, ended up being a, a good thing. And, um, like I said, I, I don't know what next week's going to look like um, with long days of travel. Long days of travel. Well, I try to keep days of travel at about four to five hours driving at most. Uh, they're they're going to be eight-hour days minimum, each one. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll do the best we can. Uh, first, appreciate it for safe travel. And uh, Lord willing, at some point next week, We'll see you again on the dividing line. Thanks for watching. God bless.